It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. First of all, I want to say thank you. No one fell asleep this morning during meditation, and that was great. There was no nodding off, despite all your travels and probably some missed sleep. Um, today, we're going to start just discussing how Kriya Yoga works, which in your book that you got the other day or yesterday in the Central Guide to Kriya Yoga Practice, we touched upon a little bit, but we're going to talk about some other aspects of it. As I was thinking about this discussion, um, I realized that it's been about 22 years, 22 years last month when I first began practicing Kriya Yoga. So it was August 17th of 2000 when I was initiated by Mr. Davis. And in that time, a lot has changed. A lot has changed just in my life in general, but a lot has changed in regards to how I experience this path. And when I think back and I remember all the enthusiasm I had when I was 20 years old and after I read Autobiography of a Yogi and I thought, oh, I'm going to be levitating soon and I'm going to have <laughs> two bodies and I won't have to sleep anymore. <clears throat> I had all of that and after about two or three years that wasn't happening. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I, I learned in that, that two or three year time period that there's a lot more to it than just kind of developing these interesting powers. Um, and after five years, I began to realize that you have to kind of get in a groove with your meditation practice and you have to get in a groove with your life and you have to be able to overcome boredom because there's a lot of routine and there's a lot of things you have to do repeatedly again and again. Um, and after about 10 years, I started to recognize at least what I thought it was all about. I started to have um, deeper experiences in meditation. Now, I was having interesting experiences before that, but at the 10-year mark, it seemed like I was able to kind of go inside and, uh, what did Mr. Davis used to say? He would say, I would kind of ask him, what do you do when you meditate? And he'd say, oh, we just roam around in the infinite. And um, <laughs> after about 10 years, I started to kind of get a little sense of what he meant by that. 15 years, now it's 20 years. And as I look back, I have a very different view on all of this than I used to. Whereas before, when I first started practicing, I was kind of trying to get something. I was trying to feel better. I was trying to, um, I don't know, maybe enjoy life a little bit more, avoid suffering. And now I just can't help but not do it. It's like when I wake up in the morning, I don't think to myself, do I want to meditate? It's just something that I go and I do. Uh, when I think about um, what I want to do with my day, oftentimes it revolves around, well, uh, am I going to have time to focus on 
either reading something important spiritually or practicing a meditation technique because now it's actually more enjoyable for me to sit down and meditate than it is for me to do a lot of the other things that I used to like doing. You know, there's a story, I think it's a fairly common story, and uh, Yogananda might have told it, but there's a story of a man who uh, went to a spiritual teacher and asked if he was going to have to give up uh, smoking and drinking and all the stuff he thought was fun and enjoyable. And the guru kept telling him, no, you don't have to give up those things. Uh, it went on for a little while about other things he needed to or should give up. Uh, and at the end, the guru said, but I can't promise you won't give them up eventually, that you won't want to give them up. And I tell that story because it's true you want to cut out a lot of stuff that causes you problems, but you don't necessarily have to cut out everything that you enjoy in your life to be successful on the spiritual path. But you do have to recognize that in time, you might become less and less interested in the stuff that you enjoy right now, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. It happens naturally. It's just like when you grow up, when you're a kid, and you really enjoy playing a video game or you enjoy doing something with your little kid friends, well, there comes a time where you just kind of don't want to do that anymore. It's nothing bad. You're not really rejecting it. It's just you kind of outgrow it. So um, in your own life, while it's important to minimize distractions, you still need to do things you enjoy because it will help you stay engaged in life but in time, more than likely, your meditation practice, your, your spiritual practice, your spiritual life, really, I don't want to call it your spiritual practice, but your spiritual life will become more interesting. And I really wish I could find a way to describe that to you, but that's, that's all I can say about it. You know, even when I go for walks or I'm in nature, um, whereas before I used to do that because it was good for me or it was exercise, now I like going and experiencing that because it feels like I am kind of communing with or connecting with the wholeness of life. You know, even, even this property where, where we're at, you know, we walked around yesterday and just looking at the trees and observing the sun over the hills and the spaciousness, like there's something about that that even begins to feel um, like a spiritual experience. So it starts to permeate sort of everything that you're doing. Um, Kriya Yoga is a system that allows you to experience this. If you read a lot of spiritual literature, a lot of sages and saints talk about how it is possible to experience self and God realization. Not as a maybe, not as a if you're lucky, but if you follow a particular path or a particular procedure, you can experience what we want to call self and God realization. And there are many people in spiritual communities that think, well, if everything is spirit, I don't have to do anything. So why don't, why don't I just you know, accept it as it is and be done with it? You can try that. I don't really think it's going to work in the long run. Ramana Maharshi, maybe it worked great for him. Uh, maybe there's a few other people that it happened to, but most of the people I know whom have had what they call spiritual experiences, really all they had was 
a very powerful, uh, sometimes emotionally charged experience where they realized an important truth, but most of the time it passes. And then give them six months, give them a year, give them two years. They take on an Indian name. Now they think that they're enlightened. But two to three years later, they're really just behaving in the same way. Now they're just dressed up like they're a spiritual person. And that's okay. It's good for some people. But what I want to encourage you to do and everyone to do is take the steps that actually produce the results. Just like if you're going to build a successful business. Sure, you can sit around and wait for a great idea to show up. And you can sit around and wait for someone to give you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. But you're probably going to find it more quickly if you start doing the hard work to generate it. If you start looking at other people who've been successful and repeat what they do. So we can do this too. It's important to remember that Kriya Yoga, Kriya essentially means action. Kriya, action. So they're actions you take to experience a state of yoga. And how do we do that? Uh, Through the meditation of the pranayama techniques, through the application of the yamas and niyamas. All of these things put together the puzzle of our enlightened consciousness. Because right now, that experience of spirit, that ocean of spirit, it's right here. If you could still your mind and be quiet, you would experience it right here, right now. Uh, Ramana Maharshi, he would tell people uh, when they they would ask him, what do I need to do to, to wake up, to be enlightened? And he would say, it's really very simple. Just be still. And he didn't mean just sit there and shut up. That's a good start. What he meant was be completely still it's done inside still now many of you have probably had an experience of that little glimpses of it you can train yourself to experience that and that is the point of kriya yoga practice to train yourself to experience that stillness Um, i did a, a video maybe a year or two ago called um what was it? Um, I talk about uh, holding the mental breath. Any of you remember that? Okay. Well, essentially what you're, what you're training yourself to do is just like when you're in a conversation, someone's talking, and most of the time when people are doing that, when they're talking, the other person is waiting to say something else. It's like they're thinking about what's going on. They want to interject. You know, They want to say things. Well, what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to restrain that impulse. You don't really have anything important to say, so just be quiet. If you notice thoughts coming up, if you notice distractions coming up, the first step is to notice it, to see it, to pull back from it, to release your engagement from it. This is one of the first stages of superconsciousness. Many people think superconsciousness is this mind-blowing drug-like experience it's not superconsciousness is when you experience stillness and so the first step to experiencing superconsciousness is to be able to step back and disengage from the thoughts and from the distractions so for example right now as you're listening 
Maybe you're thinking about things that I'm saying. Maybe you're thinking about other things. You can be super conscious right now as long as you are able to step back and just observe the fact that you are internally, stuff is going on internally. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that is the first step. Because once you, once you have that first step and you do it long enough, eventually you begin to recognize, oh, I really don't have to pay attention to this. I don't have to get caught up in it. I don't have to be pulled into it. I don't have to get engaged in it. And then there will come a time when you have that realization and so you are able to just simply pull your awareness somewhere else, whether it's to a meditation technique, to the higher regions of the brain, the breath, you name it. And now you're hitting an intermediary stage of superconsciousness because you've seen it, but now it doesn't bother you. And you've had this happen in other areas of your life when you've tried to accomplish something and stuff's going on all around you. At some point in time, you have to say, I don't care what's going on around me. I'm not paying attention to it anymore. And then you focus on what you're, whatever you're doing. That is kind of what it's like when you hit this intermediary stage of superconsciousness. And then once you hit what you might consider to be um, a more profound stage of superconsciousness, that's when you are actually still. Nothing is rising, nothing is falling. If it does, it's just like a little ripple, and then it goes away. And again and again, I use this same example, and this is a, this is a beautiful place to practice this. When you're in nature, and you're observing something in nature, and you're not thinking about it, you're just there with it. The sunset, a tree, the breeze through the leaves, or even right now, if you stop and you close your eyes and you listen and you hear the rain outside, just hear the rain. And you hear the little creak of the building. And you hear the different patterns in the rain. or the sound of the bird under the rain, the bird's sound under the rain. So in just that moment, it might have been a little difficult, but I'm pretty sure that when I first mentioned it, you were able to go right to it and there was no distraction, even if it was just brief. But that is an indication of your capacity to do it. And essentially, what the Kriya Yoga process is training you to do is to extend that time longer and longer and longer until it becomes absolutely natural and you can do it at any time. So in your meditation you practice, with the Kriya Pranayama you practice, with your mantra you practice, but you can do it at any time just like right now. We can stop. And once again, just stop. Listen to the rain. Hear that constant tone of the cricket or whatever that insect is. And in that moment, when you are feeling that, you are absorbed in that, you are experiencing a superconscious state. The definition uh, of yoga, the definition of yoga in 
um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, it kind of starts out by saying that um, yoga, yoga, chitta, vritti, naroda, yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations and changes in consciousness. And the key there is that word naroda, naroda. It means like the ending of or the releasing of. And as we get into the Yoga Sutras, um, it describes these transformations in consciousness. For example, right now in most of your daily life, there is a transformation in consciousness where you are identifying with your body. You are identifying with your emotions, your moods, the things that trouble you, the things that you like. You're, you're, it's, like it's like if you have a scale and on this side we have um, your experience of the world, your experience of your moods, your experience of your thoughts. Most of us are dumping all of our energy and our attention into this side of the scale. And there's this other side that goes up. There's just nothing in it. But Naroda is a transformation that is the opposite of the outward flowing. So as we practice yoga and that idea of Naroda, the transformation of Naroda, we're kind of dumping our energy back into this other side and it's like it's pulling our awareness away from the external distractions. And most of the time, again, we have the external distractions are too much. There'll come a time when they are balanced. And that's when you're pretty good at meditation, you're pretty good at your spiritual practice. Uh, you're still very interested in the world, but you also enjoy um, studying your spiritual literature and, and practicing meditation, going to retreats. But there comes a time when the scale starts to tip in the other way, when you're more interested in the ending of the changes and the fluctuations in consciousness than you are in all of the noise that the world makes. And yoga is cultivating that transformation called naroda. And you really need to think about it with either this idea of the scale or the idea of momentum. Like, where is your momentum going? And as I mentioned earlier, the more you practice in time, the momentum starts to be pulled more and more and more towards this ending of the changes and fluctuations in consciousness until it becomes like a snowball effect and that's all you want to do. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so everything that we do uh, everything that we do for our spiritual path is cultivating that transformation towards Naroda. Because it's once we start to experience that kind of transformation that the experience of Samadhi or oneness becomes easier and more natural. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.